Our relationships, we want them to appear good, but the reality is they're not a lot of times. And so we want to get to the bottom of it. And we've, we've touched some stuff the first three weeks, and I encourage you to go back if you haven't gotten to hear them. It might help you. It might not, but if it doesn't, you can waste 30 minutes to 45 minutes and on the message and then just think, I shouldn't have done that. But hopefully it will. Hopefully it will, and especially I think today affects everybody. So young people, I know you're not married, but you talk. Did you know that? I'm looking at some of y'all that are talking right now. <laughs> I got them. They're related to me. I'm not even looking at you. I can tell you turning red. <laughs> I got them. But in our relationships, the, the reality is it's difficult. And so I want to spend a couple weeks on intimacy. Intimacy. And I want to get this out of the way early so that we cannot feel awkward. Because I know if y'all grew up traditionally in church, pastors are not supposed to talk about sex. Well, I'm not today. But I'm going to say the word sex a few times so y'all don't feel uncomfortable. Because let me tell you my rule. If you're new at four points, this is my rule. Your kids are going to find out about sex through peers and porn or parents and pastors. And I choose parents and pastors. Everybody that's not saying amen, okay, don't get mad when your kids don't understand and they find it for themselves. So we are going to talk about it, just not today. Because here's the lie. The lie is that intimacy is sex. Can I tell y'all something? It's, it's this tiny, tiny little part of it. We've made it the whole pie and it's the tiniest little slice of it. Why? Because, because intimacy comes from this word, intimus, which means the innermost parts, the trusted parts, the inside of me. I'm giving you the in inside of me if I'm intimate with you. Therefore, this person, by the way, I didn't say this in the first service, but I think it's important, so y'all get it. So you're welcome because second service is blessed and highly favored. <clears throat> There's three words for love in the New Testament in the Greek, and one of them is phileo. We, we know it as Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's not really a great word for it. Brotherly is not quite enough. The word actually means intimate love. And there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that's where you see intimacy. So it works for brotherly, and we work, and we use it, and it's fine, and whatever. But, but intimacy is actually the confidant level of love. Someone say confidant. It means the close bond of affection. But y'all get this. Confidant, there should not be many. If y'all just get this part of my message, it will help you, I promise you. You should not have many confidants in your life. If you do, you're doing it wrong. I'm looking at some of you that I believe have too many. Huh? Confidant. Because the word confidant, if you look it up in the actual original dictionary, comes from the word confident. And it means that I have given you access to my heart and I'm confident that when I share my heart, you will keep it to yourself like a vault. And so in my confidence, I can share with you all that's inside of me. I can tell you the innermost parts of me. Why do we struggle so bad having trust relationships? Watch this. Y'all better get this. Because we don't trust people to share our confidential information with them so we keep it to ourselves, which creates the solitary confinement. And in your home, if you're married, if you can't share confidential things because you're worried that you'll get judged or you're worried that in this particular place you won't be, we're doomed. We're doomed for the destruction of what happens when we live without confidence 
or confidants. The other thing, i got to say this real quick and I'm going to run. The other problem is you get to dictate who's a confidant and who's a constituent. And it's not their job, listen, to decide that is yours. And when you decide to give confidential information to a non-confidant, you got a you problem that you're going to have to clean up. Why? Because they're not trustworthy. They don't love the innermost parts of you. They love what you're for. And so when you decide to give someone that's not for you stuff that's only for you to share, only that a few can get, then when they make a mess of it, you shouldn't get mad at them. You should look at you and say, I shouldn't have shared confidential things with everybody. We should be transparent with all. We should open our hearts up to all. But we should only let a few come all the way in. And if you're married or will get married someday, those are the people that we have to let in, watch this, or we're doomed for failure. I don't care how good you think your marriage is. If y'all aren't living as confidants, if you're not living with actual intimacy, because intimacy is not kissy. That's a part. But if all you got is kiss and touch and physical, you're getting the smallest part of the package. Why? I'm going to show you something that I think is really cool. And can I just be honest with y'all? If y'all don't know me, I'm rebellious. So I don't give a rat's behind what everybody else thinks something should be. I give a rat's behind what God thinks it should be. So if the word is for us, I don't care what the world thinks the word should be, including intercourse. Why? The first thing that you think of, I don't care if you're the most spiritual person in the room, is sex. Tell me the truth. Say yes. yes. But did y'all know if you look it up in the original dictionary, I didn't say Google it because the first thing that will pop up, I'm sure. I hadn't done this, but I'm nervous. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's sex. But if you look it up in the original Webster's Dictionary, intercourse does not say sex. Listen, listen, at all. It's not in there. Why? Because someone took a word and eventually made it what they wanted it to be rather than what it actually is because you can't have intimacy without intercourse, but that's not sex. You can have deep intimacy and never get sexual in intercourse. Why? Because it means running or passing between something. So in this case, we're having more of a discourse. Why? Because I'm giving you information. Intercourse is not just receiving it. It's coming back and forth. It's the passing. And in most cases, communication is when words intercourse together. That, that, that it's the intercourse of words that create actual intimacy. And in today's age, y'all get this. Young people, I need y'all for a second. There's never been a time where true intimacy is not more difficult than today. Why? Because we communicate constantly, but it's through our fingers. We're about to get on some Mark Pet Peeves right now. <laughs> Shut your phone off and look at my eyeballs and let's talk like humans. Hey, is it okay if we just call this person? We got an issue with them. No! I want you to look at their eyeballs and I want you to talk to them. Why? Because that's how true information passing back and forth can happen. And I don't care if this makes me old school. I'm right. Someone say, talk about it. Talk about it. I'm going to try to. I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Now, there's a couple things because the title of today's message, talking about all of this, is real talk. Real talk. Someone say, real talk. Real talk. Real talk. Here's real talk. Men, on average, we speak 7,000 words a day. 7,000, on average. Now, you might be the man that's like, nah, -uh. he speaks about 20,000. He's the exception to the rule. 
But on average, this is a scientific study, by the way, not mine. You can look it up for yourself. 7,000 words a day, which I feel like is a lot. If you really take an inventory of 7,000 words, that's a lot of words. Until you realize that the average woman speaks 20,000 words a day. <laughs> or roughly three times as many words as men. Which makes, which makes intimacy through words, which makes conversational intimacy a challenge. Why? Because men are trying to keep up. Women, your brains are, are created quite differently if you just break down the human brain and you study it. Y'all are able to multitask where we're on one thing. That's why when your man is watching TV and you're talking to him and he looks over at you and says, what'd you just say? He wasn't being mean. <laughs> he for real doesn't know. That's why. Some of y'all ladies, I understand that, that we have some exceptions to the rule, but for, for the most part, if I'm talking on the phone, with my AirPods in, and I'm just in the conversation. And my exit's right there, I'd have missed it. Y'all better say amen if you're a man in this room. Why? Because I'm locked in because I'm not able to do two things at once like some of y'all are. Because when I get focused, we in it. And Leah will have given me full instructions. And I'm like, hey, can we start over? And she's learned that it's cool. At least he tells me. Like, she appreciates it by now. Because I'm like, I don't know anything you just said. From when? The start. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. I don't even know the subject. <laughs> Why? Because we're created differently. So if you go into trying to communicate well without understanding how differently we're created, you'll be super frustrated. And you'll think, he doesn't care about me. She doesn't care about me. That's not true. It is like being in a foreign country. And walking up to a person that you have no idea how to understand the language and then trying to communicate with them, that's what it's like to live with a woman or live with a man if you're the opposite sex. Look, am I telling the truth? Yes. People that have been married for a while, y'all can tell me. Because does it get easier? No. Nope. <laughs> 20 years married this summer, me and Leah still struggling. <laughs> I mean, I'll say, <laughs> this ain't anything to do with my message, so I better start rolling. Someone say real talk. I'm going to base it on this verse. Let no corrupt, that means rotten fruit. That's what that word means. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only that, only such as good, as is good for, what's this word? Say it out loud. For building up, not tearing down. For building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. So I want to give you how to build with our words. And I want you to know that the goal of these building words is not just to be nice Please hear me. This is not being nice. This is being builders. This is looking at each other from a male and female perspective and saying, my job is not to change my spouse. My job is to not change my closest friends. And if you try to, with your mouth, look at my face. You're going to frustrate them, and you're going to be frustrated. Your job, my job, is to build, not change. I'm not a change agent. I'm a builder. Paul said that, by the way. 1 Corinthians 3, I'm a master builder. And even though he was a tent maker in his actual profession, I believe he wasn't talking about his hands, he was talking about his mouth and how our words matter. Someone say words matter. A whole lot more than we believe they matter, they matter. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So, no rotten fruit. We're going to be builders. So I'm going to give you five simple points. Number one is bless. Say bless. If y'all are taking notes, it's a good time to write or take pictures. I don't care how you do it. I just want you to remember it because it'll change your life. This one messed with me this week, if I can be real with y'all. Because I believe we should bless. 
I believe so strongly that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but, but Jesus came that we could have life and life more abundantly, a blessed life. That God doesn't ever curse his people. That God blesses those who love him. And so living a blessing and being a blessing is the goal. But here's the problem. Here's the crux of it. I don't think I really understood this. And this is what I was sharing with a couple of my friends this week that are leaders at our church. They're some of our elders. So, you know, I've believed this and understood it. And I think I even had the big picture idea of why Jesus, during the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 says, you've heard it said, love your enemies, or love your neighbors, hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, bless them that persecute you, do good to them. It's like, sweet, Jesus is really up in the bar, he's making it more difficult, but what is this about? Because honestly, no one does that. Matter of fact, can we just be real? Nobody in here doesn't want to get even. I mean, if someone talks junk about you, okay, they're going to hear it. I'm going to tell it like it is because they wrong for that. Ah! We get mad. But I think we don't realize what the blessing of our mouths is all about because Jesus said things like this. Jesus said, it's not what you take in your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. It's out of the abundance of the heart. Say that last time. The abundance of the that my mouth speaks. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart because that's the wellspring of life. So this is what I've realized about blessing and cursing. When I don't bless people, when I choose to not be a blessing, I don't just poison my well, I poison your well. And so I can preach a good word and leave frustrated and begin to curse human beings that didn't do what I thought they should do instead of building them or rethinking how I want to approach this. I didn't say be nice. Bless and nice is not the same. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say, well, you ain't saying nothing nice. No, that's not the same thing. It's kindness, which means truth void of harshness. So sometimes telling the truth is the greatest blessing you can give somebody. You just don't have to come with the heat. And if I have to come with the overhand blow because I'm right, I've gotten into a problem. And I'm about to give my last point away, so I'm just going to keep going. And, but this verse really challenged me in James chapter 3. It's the half-brother of Jesus. And James says this. Before this, leading up to this in James 3, he says the, the tongue is like a rudder on a ship. It controls where we go. And we all can believe that's true. And he says, you can tame animals. Verses before this, you can tame an animal. You can tame all this. The one thing, no human being can tame the tongue. It's restless. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord. Now, now check this, because we just all did this. If y'all sang out loud, we're blessing the Lord together. So we bless the Lord and Father, and then we curse people who are made in his image. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, this ought not be so. And then he finishes with the thought that, that you can't have this fruit coming out of this tree, and you can't have a, have a well that's bubbling up that's, 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 a, that's a saltwater well and produce freshwater spring. That, that if it's this, it's this, and as a result, no matter how much I bless God, the reality is I'm a person who gives off death, not life, because I curse people. You say, so how do I do this? You take an inventory of you, not an inventory of other people. See, this isn't an other people situation. I don't believe God was saying that it's good what the people are doing that are talking crap about you. 
that are persecuting you, that are, that, are, that are being hateful to you. I think he was worried about your heart because you're one of his. And so the idea of blessing those who curse you isn't about the cursor. It's about the blesser wanting you to be blessed. And if you allow toxicity, poison, to be swallowed into your life and all of a sudden curse comes out, well, then you're going to reproduce curse. And if, and if your home feels cursed, not blessed, the first thing you should check is your mouth. Because we create with our mouths whether we believe it or not. And the culture you create is a sum of your language. And if I'm not giving off blessing, then I'm giving off cursing. You know, I've always been interested in this, and if you've been a four-pointer for a while, you've heard me talk about this guy. When I was younger and majoring in apologetics, I used to tear apart Pastor Joel Osteen because I thought he wasn't a good enough apologist. And then God wrecked me a few years ago. Matter of fact, it was our seventh anniversary, if I'm not mistaken, so October of 18. I boohoo cried in front of y'all if y'all were here about what God had done in my life and shown me about Pastor Joel. Because number one, he's the nicest human being on planet earth. It's not just a smile and a pretty face. It's legit. But number two, who was I to judge what anything was when I can't, can't see the seed that he's sown? I'm judging a harvest without seeing a seed. And the more people that I've gotten to know that intimately know him say, I'm telling you, it's the craziest thing ever. Off the stage, he is literally the nicest person ever. And when you go to Lakewood, like everybody's nice. It's crazy. Well, it's not crazy. It's actually a principle. Because they become what I am, not what I say. And the more that I am, the more they become. And the more that I am, the more they become. And as a result, that organization that is massive is really kind and they bless people. Yeah, but I think he should do this. I don't care what you think. I care what he does. And regardless of, of going back and saying this time at this year and this show, he should have said this or shouldn't have said this, what I've realized is he gets one thing really right. I've never heard him speak a curse over somebody. So whether I would do things differently or not, I dang sure know he'd do things differently than me. But one thing he's getting extremely right that I've gotten extremely wrong is he's blessing people. And as a result, the blesser is blessing him. Because God cannot intertwine your curse and his blessing. And my home will be the sum total of what I live in, not what I want to be. Why does it matter? Because the word bless comes from this Greek word. That means, this is where we get the word eulogy from. You know what's interesting about a eulogy? Because all y'all know I'm telling the truth. Y'all ain't been to a funeral with a few rare exceptions where the pastor or the person talking about the person was mean. This person can be awful. Y'all better talk back to me. Y'all been? I've sat through funeral before. I've looked up and said, which cat are they talking about? Because I hadn't heard him. This is a new one for me. Right? Why? Because we don't want to be the person that's talking about a dead person in front of us and speak poorly about them, we speak well of them. We praise. So if you don't know how to speak well of somebody, do what your mama told you and my mama told me. If you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. So I'm going to say, shut your mouth. That's what we ought to do. That's what we ought to do. Number two. Number two. Am I helping anybody? Ah, help me, Jesus. What did I do this time? Oh. Look how smart we are. I heard y'all out here. Here we go. 
Hey, y'all might not know anything else, but we know how to work this machine now. How? That was uplifting. Ha <laughs> ha, that was awful. Help me, Lord. Uplift, uplift. Uplift, this one's really simple. This one's really simple. It's what's coming out of your mouth in your home in intimate conversations, uplifting or tearing down, because here's the deal. I don't care how right you are. If it doesn't build them, if there's not an opportunity for life at the end of the conversation, you're doing it wrong. I know your kids got caught doing something really stupid. Watch this. You did something really stupid. How do I know that? Because, y'all, I'm telling you, there ain't nothing they can do. I just don't want them to hear this, so now is the time not to pay attention. There's nothing they can do that I'm going to go, oh, my God, where did that come from? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I'm going to go, thank God that's all. (laughs) Am I telling the truth? Because I just think every day, (laughs) when's this house of cards going to fall down? (laughs) Because, Lord Jesus, we're about to be teenagers, right? So when I'm having a conversation, if all I'm doing is attacking or with my spouse, more importantly, if all I'm doing is saying, why would you do this wrong? I said you should do this. And that's what we do in our frustration. We point out all the things that we thought they should be doing rather than what can I do to help you. What is it that's going on in your life that you can't do that because it's okay? And I'm not judging you. And I want to help And if we do that, it would change the game. I'm telling you right now, the entire culture of our home will change if we begin to build up and not tear down. Look at this. 1 Thessalonians 5. Christ Jesus died for each one of us, whether we're dead or alive, when he returns so we can live with him forever. So, as a result of being followers of Jesus, friends, let's encourage each other because the word build up comes from the Greek word edifice or where we get the word edifice from, which means to build, to edify. That's the word encouragement. So encourage and build up are the identical words in the original language of the Bible. And so if you're not encouraging them, what does that mean? It means you can discipline someone and still encourage them. Don't let this get to your head where I'm not being nice if my kid comes home with, "Mm," right? But I can still encourage them to live their fullest life in Jesus because I can be a builder and a corrector at the same time. And with your spouse, they don't need your correction. Can I be honest with y'all? Some of y'all have the gift of correction. That's not what you're We're going to get there in a second. That's the next point. Build each other up just as you already are doing so. So if you're doing this, praise God, keep doing it. And if not, let it shift. Change it. Change it. So we want to give life. We want to bless with our mouths. We want to build up. This is where it's going to get fun because I got a good story for y'all. Intentional. Someone say intentional. I don't know why with communication... With true intercourse with each other, why we struggle so bad with being intentional, with having a plan. What does that mean? It means means that if you don't have, I almost called this pillow talk. If you don't have time built in that you want to talk to your spouse, y'all better look at my face. You ain't talking to them. Not happening. Because we say stuff like, I'm too tired. I just don't want to, I'm just tired today. I don't know, Mark. I just, is it really that important? Maybe not now. Like you might feel okay. You might feel good. It might feel like everything's good today. But you'll end up in a mess, and you'll wonder how you got there. Y'all better look at me. We either get places on purpose by planning or on accident. And 
in my experience, the accidents don't ever work out good in the long run. Since y'all didn't amen me, I'll tell you the story. Y'all didn't, you'll know. Wednesday, almost every Wednesday, I meet a few guys for uh, breakfast. So I leave my house about 6, 6.05, somewhere near a.m. I said it. It's dark. Nothing good happens at 6 in the morning normally because <laughs> I ain't had three cups of coffee yet. And then, whoo, help me, Jesus. So I roll out. I'm ready to go. I'm all set. I'm dressed for today and feeling pretty good. Got my worship music on. Let's go. And y'all know it's been kind of cold and weird and dreary until after Wednesday. Thank you, Holy Ghost. But I walk to the car, and I look, and it's a little bit warmer, so I'm like, oh, we're good. It's just wet. My windshield's just wet because I got a system. In my center console, I got my little scraper, and I, before I do anything, I, I plan, you know, let's go. And I scrape it down, and we're ready to roll. Well, this time, I'm like, it's just wet. We're good. So I crank it up. I back out. I have not put my seatbelt on yet because I have my little routine in the neighborhood. We go, and, and I do the windshield, and it goes, and I'm like, dang. Y'all know that sound, right? If you don't have a garage, or you do, and it's full of stuff like my. <sighs> means I should have scraped. So no big deal. I'm just going to ease it over to the side. This is this past Wednesday, real story. I'm just going to ease it over and then park it, and then I'm going to scrape it real quick, and we're going to roll. So I might be going, I don't know how fast, 15-ish miles an hour. It's a little bit downhill. I'd hit the gas a little bit, and then I'm just rolling. And I'm not paying attention, but it doesn't matter if I am or not because all I can see is glaze. But I am looking out the side to make sure I'm not getting too close to the mailboxes because I want to pull off where there's nobody coming and I can make sure I'm safe. And here's what I remember. I remember, I remember seeing this mailbox, and I got one more, and then I'm going to stop. And then I remember hearing, not seeing. Because it was, you know, bam! And all I know is I heard a loud boom, saw smoke, airbag. Honest to God, my first thought was, is there a pole that I don't know about? And in Hondas, apparently, I found this out this week on Wednesday morning at 6.07 a.m. When the airbag goes off, so does the horn until you pull the fuse. So here's the situation. I'm pulling off to the side to do the right thing. <laughs> and, and the drain is not even with the curb. It dips down and then it's this piece of freaking concrete, solid. Happens to be it's the exact same height as the frame of my car. So I'm going and I'm not, oh, boom! And then it's just smoke and then all I can hear is, Aah! and I'm doing this. I'm not going to tell you exactly what I thought because it's a cuss word. But you can fill in the blank. It's the opposite of heaven. Just happened. And I'm just sitting there. And Leah is not fully dressed. Covers herself up. And she keeps hearing a horn and didn't know it's me. And then she sees me and she's like, what? Are you okay? What happened? Thank God my neighbor came over because he had sense about him. Leah did too. But I didn't. That was my point. I didn't. I'm sitting there looking. And I know where the fuse is. I got to pop the hood. And I'm looking under the freaking steering wheel. That's not where the horn's fuse is. I'm just lost my mind. 
And I'm going, all these neighbors were waking up. I think this is the big one. I got to know what to do right now. And I don't know, have any of y'all ever had an airbag go on? Because I'm 40, this is my first one. Smoke. I mean, emphysema immediately is on me. And I'm like, what is the deal? I had no idea. I thought it was all sexy like on the commercials. And it's all good. No, my head's wopsided. I didn't have my seatbelt on. My, I, don't, I still don't know, but I'm big. I don't know if y'all can tell this. My head is something. The windshield's okay. I, I will tell you the rearview mirror was like that. So apparently I hit it. I got all sweaty during this thing. And I'm sitting there going, what happened? This is the first thing I said to Leah. I'm not joking. This, I'm 40, but still a child. Because I said, I was trying to do the right thing. I swear, that's what I said. I said, and I quote, I was just trying to pull off. Mark, stop what you're saying. I was emotional. It just wasn't tears. And I said, I was just trying to pull off. I don't know what happened. Mark, stop the car. Put it in park before you pull out. Stick to the plan. Be intentional. Or else, what you forgot about, there's 40 feet from your house. 50 feet, however far it is, I don't know. Not far. Two houses down. The storm drain that dips down. That Y'all, I'm telling you, it's, it's fantastic what I did to that thing. I moved the dirt up like this. Austin and I did everything we could to budget, didn't budge. I'm pretty strong, didn't budge. I did that on accident. Why? Was it avoidable? Of course. But I wasn't intentional. Can y'all look at me for real? Some of y'all are going through your lives when it comes to intimacy, comes to communication, and you think to yourself, I'm safe right now. But your windows glazed over a long time ago. That's called apathy. And you've just gone through the motions. You might have tried to do a little bit, and you hear the sound, you're like, whatever. I'll stop eventually, and I'll fix it. But you forget about the storm drain in your life. You just let it ease over to the side because you, quote, are trying to do the right thing. had a conversation with a really close friend of mine. Oddly enough, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. And he said to me, you know what's crazy? This time last year, if you'd have told me I'd be separated from my wife, I would have told you you're an idiot. Never in a million years. We had the marriage everybody wanted. We stopped being intentional. And we ended up in a ditch with the horn blowing at 6 in the morning going, how did we end up here? Because you're either intentional or you're intentionally heading for an embankment. We don't get to do both. Because Proverbs 21, Proverbs 21 says the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty or who does not plan through and just goes, oh, it's no big deal. I want to get there. I want to put it in part. Boom. Only poverty comes. And that word for poverty, by the way, means destruction, not poor money. So we get to decide what we're going to do. Are we going to be intentional or are we not? Here's what I hope that we'll be intentional about, and I'm telling y'all, you're going to find out in the next 30 seconds what my number one pet peeve in life is. Because I can deal with a lot of things, but the one thing I can't deal with is someone who's unwilling to say, yeah, that one's on me, I was wrong. Are y'all with me? 
I've been around some people. I've worked with some people in the past. And I tell Leah, like, with tears in my eyes, I don't care if I get cussed out. If the person who cussed me out comes back and says, man, I lost my cool. But when the person will look at you and say, yeah, I wasn't at fault. I've never been at fault. I've never been wrong. You can't have intimacy and pride. They don't coexist. Did y'all know that? Pride is I didn't do anything wrong. Pride is I'm always right and I have to always be right. So if we aren't willing to admit when we're wrong, then we've lived, excuse me, let me try that again. We've lived a life where we have to be right. And if y'all have been at Four Points for a while, you've heard this before, but I want to repeat it because I think it's worth repeating. If you always have to be right, then you'll end up right by yourself. If you always have to be right, then you'll end up right by yourself. And some of you are unintentionally driving your cars called intimacy that should be wonderful in your marriage directly for a bank, directly for a storm to a storm drain. And you think to yourself, now nah, I'm safe, I'm just easing it over. But it's called having to be right. It's called not willing to have humility to where I can say I open up and I and I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And being forgivers is what this is all about. That's why we don't let the sun go down on our anger. What Jesus said in in Matthew, the reason I don't let the sun go down on my anger is not because there's something magical about the sun going down, but because when it festers and sits, I don't even remember. Y'all better listen what we're fighting about, but I stand my ground. I dig my heels in. Let me tell you something. You don't ever want to be the person that's known for digging your heels in when it comes to building. Why? Because you've been stuck in that quicksand thinking you can build something. You can't build something if you're stuck. you got to be able to move around. you got to be able to be intentional. you got to be able to do the right thing, and the right thing matters. And in this case, we have to intentionally say, it doesn't matter if I was right. It matters that I love you. And then I want to build you. L is listen. Someone say listen. listen. Say it again. Say listen. listen. Now, I don't know if y'all listen to me or not. I know y'all are sitting there. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. I do see some of y'all sleep. <laughs> I try not to call you out. No, I, that I know of. No one's asleep in here. And if you are, I love you too much to embarrass you. But that water's warm, so I could throw it on you. It'd be good. Y'all would like that. But that's not the listen we're talking about where you just sit there and take in information. It's to, it's to lean in. Everybody say lean in. To lean in because you care about the person that you're in conversation with. Again, this is more dialogue. This is me giving you information. Even though y'all can talk back and agree with me, I'm the one doing 99.9% of the talking. So in this case, if you're listening, praise God. But in intimacy, when we're sharing intercourse, when you're giving information and I'm giving information, there is a listening element, y'all better get this, that has nothing to do with responding. If all I do is listen to give an answer, I'm not listening. I'm not leaning. I want to get you to shut up. So if I can just get you to tell me the thing that you want to tell me. Because everybody's thought this before. I'm just the crazy that'll say it. Can you get to the point? What, what if they don't want to get to the point? Guys, can I be real with y'all for a second? We're really bad at this. Why? Because we don't do the seven, or we do the 7,000, not the 20,000 a day. And on a regular basis, if pillow talk's happening, if you're the normal couple, she's the one talking. And you're the one tuning out on your phone, 
on something else, not, not, not engaging. I'm guilty. I just told y'all that I have to go, ho, ho, start over. And that's okay. It's being real. But if the only thing Leah thinks is if I open up to Mark and I tell him stuff, he's not going to listen. Or he's only listening to give me a fix. Because, man, we were made to fix things. Like, that's part of our DNA. But I asked Leah this as we're having communication, as we're talking, as we're pillow talk. Do you want me to respond or do you just want me to listen? Do you want my advice? Or you just, do you want my help? Or you just want me to sit and be quiet? She'll tell me the truth. It's amazing what happens if you just open up an honest conversation and say, for real, do you want my advice? There's a lot of times she says, no, I need your help. I want your advice. But there's also a lot of times she'll go, nope, just shut up. I just need to talk to you because I love you. Here's what James said in James 1. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be, what's it say? Quick to listen. Quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to get angry. Because human anger doesn't produce life. doesn't produce righteousness. And when I get angry because I let my mouth, I let my mouth lead me into trouble because I don't have time for it. See, we get frustrated, guys. I'm going to talk to y'all for a second because I know what it's like to be y'all. Ladies, I'm doing my best. But I don't know what it's like to be a lady. We get frustrated a lot of times because the first thing on a man's brain when it comes to intimacy is sex. But if you don't have time to listen, don't get mad when she doesn't have time to physically. It's just how it works. And you'll get frustrated and say, well, I need this. But what you don't realize when you're saying that is she needs this. And when you don't lock in emotionally, spiritually, physically, goes to the side. And I can get as mad as I want to, and I have. Y'all, this is not something that I'm throwing at you. This is something that I'm putting out there is, this is real. It's a real struggle. Then what I'll look at and say is, well, you're not meeting my needs, but if in my life it's not her needs over his needs, then I'm doing it wrong. And so the first thing that I think of when I compliment my wife is, I wonder if I can get lucky tonight. I'm not doing it right. Because my motivations, if they're only that, are impure. Well, I thought the marriage bed was undefiled. That's not the purity I'm talking about. It's from a clean-hearted place where I just want to build you up, Leah. And when, when I reach out to the small, tiny group of men who have phileo love with me, if the only thing I'm trying to do is build them up so that I can get them to do, I almost dropped it, get them to do what I want them to do and not because I want to share life with them, then I'm doing it wrong. My motivations are all off, and I don't take time to listen, to lean in, to find out what's really going on in their life. I'll just prejudge it and say, you should do this, and I'm mad at you, which leads, by the way, because this all weaves together to cursing. Why do we curse each other? We don't understand what they're going through, what they're in, so we get angry and frustrated, and we begin to speak ill of them rather than speak well of them. we got to lean in. And then this is the last one, and I'm really done. This is a quick one. But I think this one matters so much in homes, y'all. This matters so much. We got to check our tones at the door. Our delivery matters so much. How many of y'all's mamas used to say this to you? Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Like my, my eyeballs don't have a voice. Well, and she would say this, yes, they do. 
especially mine. She said, she would say, especially yours. You cut them eyes at me. Yes, ma'am. Because I knew what was getting cut next. Come on, somebody. My home believed in spared a rod, spoiled a child. And it was not spared in the Pangle household growing up. I think this is so frustrating because I've gotten this wrong so many times. I've been right in explanation and wrong in delivery. And that makes me wrong because saying the right thing the wrong way makes it the wrong thing. And whenever I don't realize, and I don't know, this just is life, right? I don't realize how mean I come across sometimes because I'm blinded. Or let me say it differently because my windshield's ice over and I didn't really think that it was. And my, my well's gotten a little bit toxic. And I take more cursing in and let more cursing out. And please don't mix that up again with cuss words. That's not what that means. It's just speaking death. And the more that I let that fester in my home, the more that I don't realize how much of the wrong way I say things to human beings. Y'all listen, when we interact with people, the goal is not to, to make a convert. Like, I hope you understand that. that the goal of, of being kind to somebody at the grocery store isn't so they're converted to Christianity, but so they can experience the goodness of God and life in His name, which is far bigger and greater than just a convert. It's life. It's hope. It's the way that salvation actually comes when I trust Jesus as Lord. And in my home, if I'm modeling death, I should not get mad if I'm reproducing death in Laney and Hasty. I should just say, they're drinking from the well that their daddy's providing them. And when my tone is off with them, they can tell you this is true. I can say the right thing, and if I'm hateful in my tone or in my attitude, I will apologize to my children who are 12 and about to be 9 this week, years old. I'll apologize to them. Why? Because tone matters. Because delivery matters. Because it does not matter. It does not matter. Do y'all know this? I, I'm going to quote what I said a couple weeks ago, that the thing that we remember about people is not what they say or even what they do, but how they make us feel. That's my Angelo quote, and I love it. The way people make us feel is what we remember. It's what we remember. And so, so in the middle of arguments, as I'm just driving down the road of my life called, I'm trying to be intimate, but I'm hateful in my tone and I'm, and as I'm supposed to be leaning in to love, I'm leaning in in anger. And this type of anger doesn't build righteousness, it builds death. And so I can do all the right stuff. I can go through the motions. I can, I can read books and I can go through all this stuff and have the wrong tone. And be frustrated at my spouse for not getting it. Can I tell y'all something? If this intimacy, if, if being into me, I see, if, 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 if you leaning in with me is to change me, you're doing it wrong. And if me leaning in with Leah is to change her, me leaning in with my brothers is to change them, I'm doing it wrong. The point is not to change anyone. I'm not the change agent. I was never called to change anyone. I was called to submit my heart and life to Jesus Christ and let him daily change me. And if the person that I know needs to be changed the most isn't Mark Pangle, I'm doing it wrong. I'm the biggest Pharisee. I'm the biggest religious person on planet Earth. And that happens all the time with, guess who? This guy. 
Why? Because I'm just driving down the road. And I really wasn't doing anything wrong, Jesus. I was just going, and I was going to pull off on the side eventually and scrape my car. But I just want to keep going for a minute because I'm lazy, because I'm apathetic, because I really don't feel like being messed with, because I just want this to work out and things will just work themselves out. No, no, no. Here's what happens. I run into freaking embankments. I run into storm drains. I have smoke going off and horns going off. And in my life, everybody hears the horn except for Mark because I'm not intentional. Because I'm not blessing. Because I'm not listening. Because I'm not uplifting and, and giving life every chance that I have. And as a result, I'm tearing down people that God's called me to lift up and build up. How do I do that? What can I do to help? I mean, this whole message could be summarized in this one verse. Because we love to quote Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. But what about Ephesians 5.20? Submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ. What can I do to help? What can I? That's how intimacy starts. It's not about me. I'm into you, and I want you to recognize it. And you're into me, and you want me to recognize it. And therefore, we'll, we'll do whatever we can to lift each other up and let them see that we want to build and we want to be builders by blessing and uplifting and being intentional and listening we know our delivery matters so we'll do whatever it takes to lean in so here's your two choices friends live a life on purpose that builds or go ahead and buckle up because you're about to hit the wall live a life that's planned and going toward does that mean it's not going to be hard? <laughs> Come on, somebody. It's going to be hard at times. But if we know that and we're buckled up and we're in the middle of the lane, God will help us. God will intervene. But y'all, what we need never do is get frustrated and mad when we've taken our hands off the wheel for a second and someone else grabs it. Because how many of y'all know that Satan not only doesn't want you to be in the center of God's lane, he wants you to wreck and have sirens going off. But in this case, he wants you to be ejected. With deep injuries that you'll never, be, never get over from because you don't allow healing to take place. That's where some of y'all find yourselves this morning. You find yourself in a place where you don't believe hope is possible because you've hit that wall a while ago. But I'm going to tell you something that's great about God. His love's new every morning. His mercies never come to an end. And he can change you in an instant and begin the reconciliation process immediately. Does that mean you're going to get back with your ex? I don't, that's not my job to tell you that. But my job to tell you that is you can be made whole. In Jesus' name, you can be made whole. And that's what we want for you today. We're not here to fix your marriage. We're here to let the Lord Jesus do his work in your heart. And he'll do the rest. So God... We bless your name. You're worthy of all of our praise. And God, we want to be a people that are, that's a life-giving people, that's a fountain, not a drain, that gives hope, that blesses those, even that curse us. And God, that has nothing to do with niceness. It's just truth. And so we don't, we don't stand on facts and throw them at people. We stand on your word and the truth. We're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And in our homes, we're intimate with each other. We listen, we lean in, we love, we forgive. And we bless, we bless, we bless.
because Lord, we bless your name and we will not be bipolar in our spiritual lives where we bless and curse out of the same mouth. We will not be schizophrenic, I should have said. We will be single-minded and singular-focused in Christ, and we will be people that bless as a result. So, Lord, you be blessed. Change our hearts, and may people see a difference because they see you in us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's stand and sing.